0: my fellow project managers, welcome to the PMP exam radio show. It's a pleasure to be speaking to you today. I hope you're doing well. It's the beginning of the week and I know lots of you are recalibrating, thinking about your journey to PMP exam success. After all, that's what this show is about. It's all about PMP exam certification, life leading to the PMP and life after the PMP. So today I'm going to talk to you about PMP exam mindset. For those of you who are new to the show, Remember, we also have a video recording of this show on YouTube. Just go on down to the YouTube channel for Praiseon, and you'll find more information about me and the company. I've trained lots of individuals worldwide, lots of agencies, such as the ones that you see on the screen if you're watching this on YouTube. This was at Fort Lee with the U.S. Army. But the PMP exam over time has evolved. It's morphed. That picture I just showed you was in 2014. Now, since 2014, the PMP exam has morphed, it's changed. People are getting more and more into the nuts and bolts of Agile. And that's why one of the first things you want to think about is definable work versus high uncertainty work. You will be tested on both on your exam. Definable work projects are those that are characterized by clear procedures, very process-driven, very plan-driven, high uncertainty projects have high rates of change, complexity, and risk. And these characteristics and problems are not suited for traditional approaches. This is best suited for agile. And that's where the Stacy Complexity Model comes in. If you haven't taken a look at this, go to the Agile Practice Guide and take a look at page 14. Because you have work that is classified as high uncertainty work and you have work that's classified as high certainty work. Both sides of the spectrum. So either you're working in a more traditional arrangement, or you're working in a more agile arrangement, or you're working in a hybrid arrangement. And this is what the exam focuses on. waterfall works best when the technical understanding is close to agreement, and when the requirements are close to certainty. But agile works best when there's high variability, when there's an experiment that you need to conduct, when there's a need to discover, and when change is likely. And these are things that we cover all throughout our training and all throughout the podcast that you'll be listening to. If you go on down to the previous episodes of these podcasts, you'll find me talking about agile, predictive, iterative, and incremental quite a lot. For your exam, you need to know if you're working with a high degree of change, and a high frequency of delivery. You want to be thinking agile. If you're working with a high degree of change and a low frequency of delivery, iterative. Get what I mean? Page 19 in the Agile Practice Guide. Now, for those of you who are getting ready for the exam, I want to invite you to journey with me. ProjectManagementMasterclass.com because we have classes all throughout the year and we have another one coming up soon, October, November. Even December, January, throughout the year, we have these classes. If you are struggling with your PMP exam, I want you to go on down to Project Management Masterclass and journey with me on our next adventure to get certified. We're going to be covering a lot of these concepts. We're going to be covering, of course, the process groups, initiating, planning, executing, monitoring, and controlling, and closing. And for those of you who are new to the concept and the topic of the PMP exam and process groups, These are just groups of things that you do on a project. We also have knowledge areas. The knowledge areas, someone says, are they still important? You betcha, they're still very, very relevant. And these are also covered in the Agile Practice Guide from page 90 to 95. In fact, if you are getting ready for the exam and you have not read pages 90 to 95 in the Agile Practice Guide where these are covered from an agile lens, you want to do that. Now, it might surprise you, but organizations are Increasingly embracing Agile at a rapid rate, a full 71% of organizations reported using Agile for their projects, sometimes, often, or always. Think about that 71%. That is startling. And you know what? Out of these 71% of organizations, 70 plus say they use Scrum. So, guess what? You'll be tested on the exam Scrum other things that you can expect on the exam is just a basic mindset for problem solving. In fact, all of your questions are going to have a problem solving bent to them. The project manager is faced with XYZ. What should she do? What should the project manager do next? Now, to answer these kinds of questions, you need to remember project managers solve problems. Project managers don't say mother, may I? Project managers should not say mother, may I? But actually, project managers should come with solutions. So one of the things that we train in the course is the DIGCIV approach. It's right there in the pen book guide, hiding in plain sight, but it's a powerful way of solving problems. And DIGCIV is just an acronym for define the problem, identify the root cause, generate solutions, choose the best solution, implement the solution, and verify the solution's effectiveness. Also, even though the PMI have not added the seventh edition to their list of books for the exam... One of the things we do in our training is begin to sensitize students to the understanding of the 12 principles, the 12 project management principles that the PMI recently came out with in the seventh edition. We're not saying go read the seventh, hey, don't go read it, but understand the mindset around the principles, stewardship, collaboration, stakeholders, all these things that are covered on the screen for those of you watching on youtube those of you that are just listening to the podcast take a look below you're going to find a link to the youtube version highly advise you to watch it now also the five process groups initiating planning executing monitoring and controlling and closing these we cannot escape they are on the exam still and to be quite honest because they are in the wider body of knowledge I would not be surprised if they continue being on the exam perpetually because it will stand the test of time. It's like fighting against the laws of physics. Who does that? Every project is initiated. Every project is planned. It's executed. It's monitored and controlled. It's closed. The ways you do it might be different, but you still do these things. Even, I dare say, in the world of Agile, we still have some authorization. We have, of course, planning. We talk about the Agile onion, right? Right. The Agile Onion is all about planning at different levels, executing, you get the work done, monitoring and controlling. That's what we do in the daily scrum. That's what we do in the retrospective. That's what we do in the sprint review. So closing, you could close at any time on an Agile project if you're doing it the right way. So all of these items are covered in one way or another. And don't forget, you want to check out all of these integration, scope, schedule, cost, quality, resources, communication, stakeholder, and risk. And I happen to put risk in the center like a bullseye because risk touches everything. So your mindset for the exam is whether it's predictive, whether it's agile, we do all these things, we just do them differently. We use different artifacts, we use different methods, but these are in every approach, be it predictive, be it hybrid, be it agile, all right? So we will sensitize you to all of these different components for your exam, whether you want to categorize them as domains, you want to categorize them as process groups, you want to categorize them as knowledge areas, makes no difference. (laughs) The bottom line is this stuff is on the exam, and you got to know it. Now, going into the intricacies, when you initiate a project, there's some things you need to remember when you plan and execute and monitor and control and close. There, there's some things that make your exam uh, PMI ish. You know, we talk about PMI isms. There are many PMI isms. So, in initiating, we talk about the business case, we talk about the benefits management plan, and the project charter. You got to know those. In planning, we talk about the project management plan. Go take a look at page 89 in the Pembuck Guide, sixth edition, and you see. The laundry list of things in the project management plan, we have different subsidiary plans and baselines, schedule baseline, scope baseline, change management plan, configuration management plan, cost-based, all sorts of things. you got to know them. you got to be familiar with them for your exam. In executing, we have all sorts of things. We do everything from directing and managing the project work all the way down to managing stakeholder engagement, managing communications, and the intricacies of these are covered in the training we provide. Monitoring and controlling, same thing. Hey, earned value management, understanding slack flow, leads, lags, crashing, fast-tracking. These are things that are everyday English. I mean, it's no stress for a project manager that's worth his or her weight. It's no stress because you are expected to know this language. And if it pops up on the exam, so what? You are meant to be able to handle it. In closing the project, some of the things we talk about are the final report, The final product, service, or result transition, these are some of the PMI-isms that you can expect on your exam all across the board. Now, going into the world of Agile, Agile practices involve discovering requirements and developing solutions through collaborative efforts of self-organizing and cross-functional teams. Now, remember, it's self-organizing, it's self-led, it's self-managed. And when you take a look at Agile and traditional and you put them side by side, there are differences. Agile is all about customer collaboration primarily, not contract negotiation. We talk a lot about negotiating in a traditional perspective. And of course, things need to be plan-driven, and that's why we spend a lot more time doing contract negotiation. We spend a lot of time doing rigid planning, is a word, comprehensive documentation. These are hallmarks that we hear in the world of traditional. But in Agile, it's all about customer collaboration, flexibility, working solutions, maximum business value in in minimum time. For your exam, you do need to know the 12 principles and you do need to embrace them. Whether you are looking at it from a hybrid lens or an Agile lens, understanding the principles, the 12 principles of Agile is going to help you. The the four values of of Agile in the Agile Manifesto is going to help you. Understanding Agile techniques such as Burn down charts, user stories, user story mapping, what all of this really means. All these terms that you might have heard the definition of done, where's the definition of done documented? What is pair programming? What is the advantage of pair programming? What do we mean by small releases and why do we do that? Kanban boards, sprints, prototyping, frequent updates. What does that mean? Who is the product owner? Who is the scrum master? When we say scrum team or when we say developers, what is the difference between the scrum team? Scrum team is the product owner, the scrum master, and the team. Developers are the people doing the work. Kanban boards, cycle time, lead time, all those things, you want to get a firm handle of those for your exam. The understanding that in Agile, we do things in iterations, the Agile Onion and how we plan at different levels, how we see the endeavor at different levels, the idea, the release, the iteration, how we do things daily in the daily scrum, for example, and the continuous flow of work. We react, we improve, we pivot, we persevere. And the basic Agile ideology summed up in understanding the concept of a ever-growing, ever-changing ever been prioritized product backlog. Sprint backlog, understanding that all features scheduled for the next sprint, we want to understand those ahead of time. We want to do backlog refinement before we get into the actual sprint. And in the actual sprint, what do we do? We go through undisturbed cycles of development and we get to the end product. This is the overall idea, right? Regardless of the framework you're looking at in Agile, these are concepts you should feel comfortable with for your exam. In the Agile Practice Guide, page 50, that's where we begin to see a lot of the Agile practices being talked about. Daily stand-ups, retrospectives, sprint or iteration planning, sprint or iteration reviews, short iterations, common boards, all that stuff. We find it talked about explicitly and implicitly in the Agile Practice Guide. And to that end, in the Agile Practice Guide, we have a, an image there where we can see the four values, and I talk about knowledge nuggets, right, to take it from the concept of the values and to begin thinking about knowledge nuggets. But this is really code for code for the Agile Manifesto Reborn through a predictive lens. Now, you won't find exactly as is in the Agile Practice Guide, but of course you'll find uh, the Agile version of this. This is my interpretation of seeing plan-driven through values, knowledge nuggets, I call them, and practices. So I've made a little spin on it, but it's to help you be able to digest plan-driven project management in contrast to Agile project management. So in my four values here, I say authorization is vital. Of course, your project charter, but leadership through collaboration is key. Always plan ahead. Execute the plan, but modify the plan as needed. Close projects with consensus and benefits uh, accountability. And when I say benefits accountability, I mean a benefits owner, someone who's going to own the management of those benefits after the project is closed. When I talk about knowledge nuggets, this is just code for knowledge areas. So I put a spin on it, integrate the project, scope the project to the degree needed, schedule to the degree needed, budget to the degree needed, make it fit, conforming and satisfying. That's code for quality. Lead the team with emotional intelligence and consideration, transparency and communications, Identify and manage risk intentionally. Think about contractors as collaborators. And remember that stakeholders come first. These are mindsets that, even if you're tackling predictive questions, they will help you. Now, go to your Agile Practice Guide, give yourself a little assignment, and take a look at the Agile version. It's also in 2.2, uh, but you'll see the Agile spin on this. And then the practices, like I said, in the world of Agile, you can find them on page 15, the Agile Practice Guide Forward. But in the world of Plan-driven, these are my ideas of some of the practices that you can take away from plan-driven. Project charter, project management plan, WBS, project schedule, schedule baseline, cost baseline, lessons learned register, knowledge management, information management, all of the buzzwords you see on the screen. These are things that I would highly advise you to master. Probability times impact uh, matrix, power interest grids, stakeholder register, all that good stuff. Again, going back into the world of predictive, your knowledge areas at a high level, your process groups at a high level. I would advise you to read the concepts, trends, tailoring, and considerations for agile. And you can find these in the PMBOK Guide Sixth Edition. They're all there, but it's the first section at the beginning of each knowledge area. CTTCs. I would highly advise you understand concepts, trends, tailoring. Knowledge area, each knowledge area, and the consideration for agile. And as far as those who are reading the seventh edition, I do not advise it at this point. In fact, I think it might be a little bit confusing for anyone that has been reading the sixth. Don't go over the place reading the sixth and the seventh. The sixth is good enough. And if you're taking the exam in 2021, focus on the sixth. Do understand the principles, but focus still on the six. Now, eventually, what I would love for you to do is to be able to see project management on a huge canvas as fitting into the more far-reaching Agile Manifesto values and principles. And right here on the screen, I've shown you how you can take the process group pentagon that I've been showing you and how you can embed that in your mind into a Wider, more far-reaching set of values from the Agile Manifesto, individuals and interactions over processes and tools, working software, you know, customer collaboration, responding to change, all those things. It is possible for you to constantly think project management through that lens. The Agile Manifesto values and principles, they work everywhere. Whether you are selling coffee in Starbucks, whether you are building the Taj Mahal. Whether you're developing the Model T or the next Tesla vehicle, I tell you, think Agile. It's all about the customer. It's all about doing things intelligently. It's all about doing things with a spin. Now, someone says, oh, about the Taj Mahal, you could do that using plan-driven. You could do that using plan-driven, but if you put a little smattering of Agile where it is most valuable through Feedback, prototyping, continuous feedback, getting the customer involved, the mindset of seeing the customer as a collaborator, I am telling you, you will build a better Taj Mahal. You will. And it wouldn't surprise me if that was at the heart of a lot of the things we've seen done in history. We just didn't call it agile. But I'm telling you, if you're doing something that has never been done before, look at it through an agile lens. And if you are doing something that has been done before, Expect the unexpected with an agile mindset. So, for your exam, the syllabus is huge. In fact, there are over 200 slides I could show you on the syllabus. But I'm just going to get your, your feet a little bit wet into the thinking for the exam. Okay. I know in some of my previous episodes, I ask you a lot of questions. Today is not the day for questions. Today is the day to get you thinking and remembering. Because I know a lot of you have been on this journey. You probably have been out of class for a long time and you're thinking about getting back in the game. Hey, let's get back into the game. Let's get back into the game together. Let's go on down again to projectmanagementmasterclass.com. So for your exam... You're gonna be tested on people, process, and business. In people, they're gonna they're gonna ask you about conflict management. How do you manage conflict? You gotta know the source and the stage of the conflict, you're gonna analyze the context for the conflict, you've got to evaluate, recommend, and reconcile the conflict resolution solution, and then you've got to lead a team, you've got to think about vision and mission and Diversity and servant leadership. You got to determine an appropriate leadership style. We talk about the Hersey Blanchard model. You got to know that. And then you got to be aware of your position as a servant leader to inspire, motivate, and influence team members, analyze team members' and stakeholders' influence, distinguish various options to lead various team members and stakeholders. But again, you got to be able to put on that agile hat that says, "Uh oh, wait a minute, it's not my place to, in quote, lead a team through certain approaches other than servant leadership because the team is a self organizing team. So who can lead the team? The team. Who is the leader of the team? The team. Who is the manager of the team? Well, on paper, it's the manager, the functional heads, but we talk about a self managed and self led team. So as far as the work is concerned, you got to understand the concept of the team leading the team, the team managing the team. There's no babysitting. Someone thinks a scrum master is a babysitter or the product owner is a babysitter. Are you kidding? No. The first step is to hire adults. You hire adults, you're going to get good behaviors. Okay. You're going to set ground rules one time, maybe twice. But after that, if you really did hire adults, they know what to do, how to do it. They understand the power of the retrospective. Okay. People task three. Support team performance. Appraise team member performance. Again, the team appraises itself in the world of agile. Support and recognize team member growth and development. Again, when we're talking from an agile perspective, the team does this. The team supports itself, right? Recognizing team member growth and development is something that functional heads and senior management should also do. Determine the appropriate feedback approach. Verifying performance improvements. And task four is about empowering team members and stakeholders. Who empowers whom? Well, think about it. Senior management. Leadership in the firm. That's who empowers. Now, if you're in a traditional project and the project manager has a whole lot of power and there's not much servant leadership from every team member, it's the job of the project manager to ensure that comes to the surface. The way business is done is changing in a lot of firms. It's no longer traditional, traditional, tradition. And as you go through the content outline, I want you to remember this. Organize around team strength. Support team task accountability. Evaluate demonstrations of uh, people task accountability. Determine and bestow levels of decision-making authority. Still talking about the people domain, task five. Ensure team members and stakeholders are adequately trained. Training is big. Determining the options available and allocating resources and measuring outcomes. These are things you will be tested on. Also, the concept of building a team while you are praising stakeholder skills. Remember, the stakeholders are the wider team. And maintaining knowledge transfer. A- Addressing and removing impediments, obstacles, and blockers. This one is a must-know for your exam because impediments are front and center. When we talk about Agile, you want to determine where they're coming from. You want to prioritize them, and then you want to use your network to really aggressively go after those impediments. Also, negotiate project agreements. I would advise you to read the section in the Agile Practice Guide about flexible contract types, flexible contract arrangements, can't quite remember the page. I'm going to guess it's 77 maybe, but if not, just open the Agile Practice Guide and look for that section on various contract types. It's going to help you. Whenever we talk about agreements, people often think about maybe money, but I want to encourage you, don't just think about money. Think about things to negotiate, such as user stories, velocity, things you're meant to deliver, not just money. Money could be part of it, but it could also be other arrangements revolving around the project uh, participating in agreement negotiations and determining a strategy and making it a win win is big. And uh, the win win approach this is actually talked about in recent PMI documentation. People Talk Nine is about collaborating with stakeholders, looking at the stakeholder as an ally, you know, not an enemy, an ally, not someone to gouge out, <laughs> you know. The the eyes, you know, you don't want to do that because I I know a lot of people go into negotiations just thinking, oh, how can I get the most for myself? And they almost want to they almost hurt the poor stakeholders, the poor customer. Don't do that. Think about it in a collaborative fashion. All right. So build trust and influence stakeholders to accomplish project objectives. Number 10 is build shared understanding, build shared understanding, make sure everyone is in the know transparency is key. Break down the situation. Remember, I talked about the dig Siv approach in the beginning. Survey all necessary parties to reach consensus. Support outcome of parties agreement. Investigate potential misunderstandings. Eleven, engage and support virtual teams. This is big, not just in this crazy pandemic, but even before this pandemic, people had upped their ante when it came to collaborating virtually right? So implementing options for virtual team member engagement, understanding what the team needs, continuously evaluating that. Task 12, defining team ground rules. Ground rules are talked about again on page 4915, the Agile Practice Guide, also in the PMBOK guide. Make sure you understand the nuts and bolts of ground rules. Understand that when we say ground rules, we could also be talking about Team agreement, also known as a team contract, we also call this social contracts. And managing and rectifying ground rule violations is big. Task thirteen is mentoring relevant stakeholders. Mentoring is big. It's talked about again in the Agile Practice Guide. It's talked about in the PMBOK Guide. If you have a PDF copy of either publication, just search for the word mentor, and be aware of the different dimensions of it. But time must be allocated to it, and we must see it as a way of adding value to our stakeholders. Task 14, promote team performance through the application of EI. Understand what EI is. It's all about bridling your emotions and influencing the emotions of others. Assessing behavior through the use of personality indicators. If you haven't read about Myers-Briggs, please do that. You're likely to encounter it. Going into the process domain and moving more rapidly, I'm just going to give you high-level bullets for these ones. But task 1 is all about executing the project with urgency required to deliver business value. You want to execute your project with urgency. You want to execute your project with urgency to deliver value quick. That's the mindset. That is a very agile task. And then you want to examine value all throughout the project. Task two is all about communications. This, to be quite honest with you, is about understanding the three processes of communications and then understanding how communications works in an agile world. Task three is all about assessing and managing risks. My goodness, there are seven processes that you need to know for this exam. They're covered in the PMBOK Guide 6th edition, Know them pretty well. Honestly, nothing does as good a job as a 6th edition in breaking risk down intricately. It's very, very intricate. I would advise you to read it. When you read risk, though, before going to this next task, I want to encourage you that when you read risk understand the different responses to risk you know i have an acronym for the negative risks a t e a m and it just stands for each one of the strategies avoid transfer escalate accept mitigate and i have another one for the positive risks it's easy e a s e e again you've got uh, enhance share um, escalate exploit you know and um, accept so, so that's it. So let, let me go over it again. It's easy, E for enhance, A for accept, um, S for share, E for exploit, E for enhance. Some to that effect. So you've got three E's, enhance, exploit, and escalate. You've got an S, share. Uh, you've got um, E, A, and A, accept. All right. Let's check that out. Because The reason why I'm stressing this, on your exam, you're likely to be tested about, do you know what approach? this was? Do you know what response this was? And if you haven't taken time to really break down the difference between avoid and mitigate, you know, avoid is an absolute obliteration of the risk. Mitigate is a reduction. It doesn't get rid of it completely. And a lot of people use the word mitigate incorrectly to mean anything to do with risk. Just do something about the risk. They say mitigate. No, mitigate is just one out of the five for the for the uh, negative risks. So you got to know the 10 for, you know, different lenses. I know there's some overlap with with accept. And then when we go down to accept, you've got to understand what we mean by passive accept and active accept. So there's really a lot there. Uh, Task four is all about stakeholder management. You've got to understand that chapter. Uh, The next one is all about planning and managing budget. So you need to understand chapter seven about cost. you are going to monitor those variations. And of course, earned value will come into the discussion. Task six is all about scheduling understanding dependencies, understanding the use of historical data, measuring progress, and even the talk about SPI will come into the picture here. Then we talk about task seven, plan and manage quality of products or deliverables. What is quality? Fitness for use, conformance to requirements, customer satisfaction. You got to remember the cost of quality for this one if you haven't already. Task eight, plan and manage scope. Again, you got to know your chapter five In the PEMBOT guide, really well. Uh, The WBS, WBS dictionary, project scope statements, backlogs, how this is handled in the world of Agile, you also need to understand. Integrating is really about integrating project planning activities. So, everything under develop project management plan, you need to understand for this one. The next one is all about managing project changes. So, that's again part of integration, so understanding the difference between configuration management and change management, highly advise you to look up my videos on YouTube, change management versus configuration management, know the difference, highly advise you to do that. Uh, determining a strategy to handle change, executing change management strategy, these are all things you should be aware of. And of course, you know, in Agile, change is managed very differently. Agile in and of itself is called a change-driven approach. Task 11, plan and manage procurements. Again, look up those flexible contract arrangements. Uh, Again, not totally sure of the page. Look it up in the Agile Practice Guide. Make sure you know it for your test. All right, manage project artifacts. We have three artifacts in the world of Scrum, but we also have many add-ons. We could say the burn-down chart, the burn-up chart, these are artifacts, CFDs. You know, we could also say in the world of predictive, well, there are all those artifacts on page 89. So... Determining the requirements regarding those artifacts are important. Validating that the information is kept up to date. Version control. Again, go watch my video on configuration management versus change management. That is going to help you. The next task is determine appropriate project methodology, methods, and practices. So you want to read in your Agile practice guide, page 14, page 18, page 19. You've got to understand what makes predictive predictive, what makes iterative and incremental what they are, what makes agile what it is. So you need to be able to assess the project needs and recommend a methodology. But of course, in the real world, we don't just do this as a draconian ruler. We're going to do this with our team members. Process 14, establishing project governance structure. What is governance? Governance is the framework within which authorities exercise. Chapter 2 in the PMBOK Guide 6th edition. The next one is task 17, manage project issues. Again, Go look up the digsiv approach. It's in 8.2 DIGCIV. Recognize when a risk becomes an issue and attack the issue with all vigor. Make sure the issue is contained. Task 16, ensure knowledge transfer for project continuity. This is really code for managed project knowledge. And as far as Agile is concerned, well, we have the retrospectives, but we have the daily scrums. We have individual meetings. We have pods that we have. We put together so that the team can meet in pods. We have caves and commons and things like that that we use to discuss and pass knowledge across. Task 17 plan and manage project or phase closure or transitions. This is really code for closed project or phase. I know this really well. I would highly recommend, I believe it's page 123 in the sixth edition, understanding the entry cases of it, understanding when we say, um, the inputs to closed project or phase. Why do we have the project charter as an input? Uh, Why do we use things like regression analysis as a tool and technique of closed project or phase? And understanding the mindset, you know, in what we do. And the big bullet items on, I believe it's page 123 about what we do, uh, understanding organizational process assets, updates, understanding that when we look at the lessons learned register, it becomes part of the lessons learned repository, which is looked at as part of organizational process assets. Eventually, that is going to help you in your mindset for this test. Validating readiness for transition and concluding activities to close out. Last but not least, we have the business domain, right? Task one, plan and manage project compliance. Understanding what compliance is. I cover this in my business for the PMP exam boost. So I have a booster shot for you. If you look at my podcast in uh, pmradio.org, you'll find my booster shots for business, for people, process and business. And uh, this will give you better insights and more details into this. Uh, The next one after the compliance one, which is very long, by the way, I believe it has seven items, is evaluate and deliver benefits and value. So in order to do this, you must be thinking from an agile lens it's not just about the output it's not just about the outputs about value and it's also about outcome so you want to investigate that benefits are realized you want to document agreement on ownership for ongoing benefit realization you want to verify measurement systems are in place to track the benefits you want to really want to make sure those benefits are delivered and you want to appraise stakeholders of the same task three in business is all about evaluating and addressing the external business environment for impact on scope. So as a good project manager, survey the external business environment, always be on the lookout. As a good product owner, always be on the lookout. Recommend options for scope or backlog changes based on the environment, based on what is happening, and continually review external business environments for impacts on project scope and the backlog. And finally, we have support organizational change. Know what the organizational culture is, evaluate the impact of organizational change to your project, determine required actions, and also evaluate the impact of the project to the organization and determine required actions. So there's quite a lot for the project manager to do when it comes to change management. Again, change management is covered in a lot more detail in other PMI publications, but we will be covering all that you need to know in the Project Management Masterclass. I encourage you, if you're struggling with this exam, you need to go on down to projectmanagementmasterclass.com. We have a course coming up in the next few days. Hey, if you are on my podcast and you've been wondering, how can I join his classes? Going down to Project Benjamin Masterclass. This may be the final class for the year. I'm not sure if there's going to be another one. But if you've been kind of wondering, how do I get certified? How do I just get on the bandwagon and do this once and for all? You have a trainer and coach who is here to help you. Okay. So go on down there. Let me know how I can help. I really look forward to seeing you in the class. Again, projectmanagementmasterclass.com. And if you have any questions whatsoever, you know, outside of the whole PMP exam thing about project management, just remember, I will be extremely delighted to answer these for you. Just send them in. Send them in to infoappraiseon.com. Thank you very much for joining me. I wish you all the very best on your journey. Let's make this happen 2021. Talk to you soon.